Welcome to Jesus Dates. I don't understand what's going on. I'm like, hey, no, mom and Mrs. Straw are arguing. I want to see what they're arguing about. Yeah. I say this to Mrs. Straw and she just grips me really tight and says, no, don't go outside. I don't want to lose you. This is a podcast where we hear real stories of how God is moving in the lives of very real people. Whether he's led them to a mountaintop experience or a long walk through a valley, we get to hear all about it right here on Jesus Dates. Okay, so my name is Tandani Olam Dube. I'm from, I was born in Zimbabwe, Bulawayo, Zimbabwe, but I grew up all over the place. Okay. Uh, I, think I, I think I've officially spent like a year or so in, a, in like seven countries. So I don't, I don't, yeah. So I don't have, I don't have like a one spot where I can say this is where I grew up. But our, our our, uh, family home is in Bulawayo, Zimbabwe. So I haven't been since 2010, but that's, that's where, that's where I'd say that's where my, that's where you call home. Yeah, that's where my castle is, you know what I mean? (laughs) So, but yeah. So what, what's it like or what's some details about it? So it's one of the most gorgeous places that you can go on earth. So Bulawayo, specifically where I grew up, um, is the second largest city in Zimbabwe. And it is the most organized city you can ever... Like, everything is in a block, literally in a block. And I'm I'm an accountant, so I love structure (laughs) in certain things. And then, like, our house, we have, like, a two-acre yard. This huge two-story house with a cottage right next to it. And that's where we grew up. So we'd always play sports and everything. Um, you know, Zimbabwe, like, and like most of Africa, doesn't have that ma- that much industrialization. So there's a lot of like natural just beauty preserved okay. and everything. So like, like 10 minutes out of the city, you're already in a national park. And then I'm sure you've heard of like Victoria Falls. Yeah, yeah like, like that's, that's, okay. that's what I, where I grew up. That's so it's where all, you grew up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a brilliant place to grow up. So, so is there a reason why you went to so many different countries? So my parents grew up in in colonial Africa. So the, so before the, uh, most of Africa got independence, we were all either under French or British rule. Those are okay. the two ma- major stakeholders in Africa, and they grew up under that. So and when when finally Zimbabwe got independence, which both my family, uh, both my my parents' families were really involved in in that liberation struggle, they wanted to see the world and they wanted to make sure their kids also see the world. I really love talking in different languages because we moved around so okay. much. So if I ever find someone who's been to a country that I lived in and speaks the language, that's the only language I'll talk to them in. Because so, how many languages do you know? So, uh, I know maybe like five or six, but I'm fluent in maybe like three. Um, so can you? I mean, I know probably everyone says this, but can you say something? In yeah. Either one of those so languages? in Devela, we have this famous tongue twister that goes. It's utter nonsense. <laughs> it's so like beautiful. I saw a skunk on the road twisting and turning till it broke its back. You're like, what does that even mean? Oh, so so yeah. So how did you end up where you're at now? So I live in Orlando, Florida. Uh, I ended up here literally, and my mom says this all the time. The wind blew me here, and I just ended up here because. <laughs> While we lived in Kenya, I went to the school called Maxwell Adventist Academy. From there, 
I got recruited um, with really good scholarships to Union College. Which is where? Which is in Lincoln, Nebraska. Wow. So I had never been I had never been to this side of the planet when I was so you 18. you had never been to America? Never been to America. But you ended up in Lincoln, Nebraska? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, so for those of you that don't know the difference, yeah. Wow. <laughs> so... It's just so funny because it's in Lincoln. Yeah, exactly. I, I didn't know any better. <laughs> Whatever. So you're like, all right, then yeah. here's my option. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so when you arrived in Lincoln, Nebraska, were you like, hey, this is what all of America is like? Well, I traveled enough to know that there's more to a place than you see. That makes sense. So, yeah. but so I, you had a bigger worldview than Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only thing that scared me was the number of white people there. Because oh. I'd only grown up in places where, yeah. pretty much Wakanda, you could say. And then you're just like smack dab in the Midwest. Uh huh. So. So from from Nebraska, then did you choose to come here to Florida? Then. So how I ended up here is, when you're in the business program at Union, you have to do an internship, and I didn't I didn't know anything about how to get internship programs here in the states. Okay. Because at home, it's a little different. At home, I knew the procedure, and we use different terms for everything. So, like, when everyone was like, hey, you need to build your resume, and you re- need to do your internship, I had no idea what everyone oh, was talking about. Even though some, like, completely different thing. Yeah, exactly. Oh, wow. So, I was lost, and I, and I hadn't done anything and then applied anywhere until, like, the last minute. Okay, so then everything was last second. Pretty much. So, then I ended up here in Florida for my uh, internship. So after my internship, I got offered a job uh, at the corporate office for Adventist Health Systems, and I've been I've been here since. Okay. Never looked back. So I've asked you to share a story of when you knew that God was alive and active and working in your life. And so what is that story, and yeah. where does it begin? Yeah. So like I said, I lived, I've lived all over the place, and one of the countries we lived in was Botswana. And... At the time, the only reason we moved was my mom was tired of living in Zimbabwe. There was like a lot of unrest at the time in Zimbabwe. And so we, she was like, hey, they're asking people to move to Botswana to help the country's education system. So they were getting a lot of teachers. My mom's a teacher. Okay. So they were pulling in a lot of teachers to come help teach. And they were pulling from Zimbabwe because Zimbabwe had like way too many teachers. So my my mom was one of those people that left to find jobs. A huge group of us moved to Botswana, and I was around five or six at this time. And her, the job she found was she was the the matron of a hostel for the indigenous people from Botswana, the Khoikhoi people. The government was trying to get them educated, trying to educate the populace. So they they subsidized a ton of um, dormitories for them to go and stay in. Okay. And my mom was the dean. Sorry, not, matron is such a British term. Oh. Sorry. She was the okay. dean for one of these dormitories for women. So they'll oh, get the women from these nomadic groups, put them in these hostels, and then take them to school. And so food and everything was paid for by the government to make sure they were taken care of. And okay. my mom was the dean for all these for all these girls. So she lived kind of at this dorm because yeah. she ran it. Yes. And then you and your family came with her. Yeah, so me and my sister went with her. And at this time, my dad was working on his PhD in religious languages. So he and so he moved to South Africa to finish that. So we both of us left Wow, <laughs> Zimbabwe. such an ambitious family. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so... 
so that's okay. the job my mom did and so the the dormitory that was on that we were at was owned by the uh, the straw family there were a white a white couple that had lived in africa all their lives and so they had built this school and they owned a huge ranch and built this dormitory on their ranch and said yeah happy to help in any way possible so it wasn't really necessarily a school but they just kind of made it that yeah yeah okay. yeah yeah and so my mom was the dean and also taught the girls how to read and write and then when once they were proficient enough they'd go to other little to like uh, proper schools and then take the studies and lessons there so what were the ages of the people they were teaching so a lot of the girls in that place were either ranged from like 12 to like 20 Oh, okay. Yeah, so it was whenever you got a chance to, whenever you got a room, you would go. Okay, so, yeah. I see. Yeah, yeah, Okay, yeah, yeah. so then, so you show up when you're about five? So so we moved in 94, so I was about four years old. Four, okay. And then the story I'm telling is when I was around five years old. Okay. So we had been there for a while, and we had gotten really close to the to the family, the Straw family, and that owned the the dormitory there. So the Straw family had had a few sons, had two sons that I looked up to, mm-hmm. but they would always go to uh, boarding schools. Oh, so I unless see. unless they were home, I never really saw them. Okay, and they didn't speak any African. They 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 spoke English and Afrikaans. Afrikaans is like the language of white people in South and Africa. Oh, okay. So like. That's like the term for white people trying to speak. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. It's it's an actual uh, tribe of Dutch people that migrated from uh, okay. Holland or whatever and moved to South Africa and then moved uh, like north. Okay. So like in South Africa, one of the official languages is Afrikaans, and because uh, they were they went to an all white school, an all white bo- uh, boarding school, and. They liked, like, everybody. So whenever they'd see me, they'd be like, hey, a little bra- a black brother. Because oh, our families yeah. had gotten so close. So Mr. Yeah. Straw and, and my mom were, were best friends. Okay. And so they'd be like, hey, a little black brother. And they would want to, like, take me hunting and all this stuff. And they'll teach me Afrikaans. Okay. My mom didn't want me to learn Afrikaans, but <laughs> I learned it from them. <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> so, so you'd hang out with the Straw family. Yeah, I'd hang out with the Straw family a lot. And Mr. Straw... Who took us in pretty much as like his niece and nephew, and he and he taught me how to fire a rifle and different types of guns. So like I had a close relationship with them. I called Mr. Straw Auntie Straw, um, Mr. Straw. We'd all call him Mr. Straw just out of respect. And all the girls from the dormitory, whenever he'd walk by, would drop their heads and say hi, Mr. Straw, like in a shy way. Yeah. So everyone respected him, right? Yeah. And then. And it was just like this great place to live. Like uh, a lot of the girls who couldn't read, I'd, my mom would say, hey, you guys go to me and my sister and say, hey, you guys go help them. It'll help you read as well. So I'd like take little books and like read to them while they watched over my head. And they're like, oh, wow, he can read oh, <laughs> type of deal. Like this tiny little five year old yeah. kid with like all these girls behind me and like I'm reading. 20, 20 year old girl. Yeah, exactly. Like, so I was the man, but I wasn't. <laughs> and I yeah. wasn't. So you're really impressive. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But so then this one day, um, so Mr. Straw had a lot of friends who'd come over for like a barbecue and whatever, and they'd get drunk, fall asleep on the, on like the porch or something. But this one day it was just him and this other friend of his, and and um, they started drinking a lot, 
And Mrs. Straw was like, hey, you, need, you guys need to relax. And then she went back in the house. He was saying that to the people who were drinking? Yeah, to okay. Mr. Straw and his best friend. And, you know, the, the friend kept looking at us, like me and my sister. We were playing out in the yard. A lot of the girls were doing laundry in, in the back of the dormitories. So they were, and 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 in, in in that time, washing machines weren't a thing in in Africa. So the, everyone would wash their hands by by hand in like basins outside. Oh. So everyone was just outside okay. seeing Mr. Straw getting drunk. And that, but was that a normal? thing? It, it was a normal thing. thing. Okay. Like people were like, "Oh, Mr. Straw is getting drunk again." Yeah. You know, like I think the day he taught me how to fire a gun, he was drunk that day as well because he just came picked me okay. up by the back of my shirt collar. Was like, "I'm gonna teach you how to be a man and fire a gun." So this was just kind of normal. Yeah, normal day. Everything, everything happening is fine. It's it's all honky dory, and there was this gate Mr. Straw didn't like anyone using. I don't know why. He just didn't want people using it. I think it was because people would forget to close it, and either chickens or like wild dogs would come in and get his chickens or something. I can't remember the exact so you just reason. Didn't want anyone touching the gate. But it was like the most convenient gate to use. Oh, okay. So I think he looked out and noticed that the gate was open. And something snapped in him. And he was like, and it, I'm not going to use the exact words, but he was like, which, which in, in Afrikaans, which, which monkeys are these that keep leaving the gate open? And his friend started egging him on. He's like, oh, you're better than that. You're, you know, you shouldn't let the monkeys decide how you live. Really, he, his friend was really racist. His friend was almost so, like a. So basically, his friend was saying like that you guys did it. That yeah. You guys like. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I'm really toning it down from the words yeah, that yeah, he used. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then so, Mr. Straw gets really mad, and grabs his rifle, and stands up, and takes a shot in the air. And when we hear this. So I'm, I hear Mr. Straw shooting all the time. So yeah. I'm used to gunshots at this point. So I'm like, oh, he must be trying to like shoot down a bird or something. And because uh, I was like, but you're watching this all. Yeah, I'm watching it, and my sister's there. So my sister hates guns. She hears that and she starts walking towards the house. All the other girls, um, she starts walking to the house and stands it to our main house. All the other girls doing laundry didn't like the sound, like it when Mr. Straw would shoot his gun. So they get scared. And they run into their dormitories, right? And I'm out there. My mom and I believe Mrs. Straw are like having a chat. And, she, and Mrs. Straw looks agitated by it. Like, oh, here we go again. But then he starts screaming. Hey, which kefir is it that... Sorry, which... which let, let me put it in uh, English. But which monkeys is it that keep leaving my gate? Is it you? And he points the gun at me. And then my, oh my sister. Goodness. So like my, I was I was standing by a tree that I loved playing by, yeah. and a few paces away was our house, and my sister is there. And when she, when Mr. Straw then points the rifle at at us, essentially, and my mom's like, "Oh no, this is not happening." So oh she stands goodness. up, right, and then Mr. Straw walks down his porch and starts walking towards me. So I'm frozen, not understanding what exactly yeah. is happening, uh, and my sister is scared so she starts screaming and then my mom makes a beeline towards mr straw and intercepts him is like what are you doing and he mr straw so she's in between you and the guy yeah yeah and then mr straw goes 
I'm killing um, uh, a, a monkey today because it keeps leaving my gate open. I want you no. guys using the other gate, not that gate. Whoa. <laughs> so we're like really, everyone is really yeah. scared. Did right? you understand what was happening at that time? I didn't, I didn't know what was okay. happening. I'm, I'm five years old and I always hear gunshots and yeah. I always play with Mr. Straw, even though everyone loves, uh, l- like respects him and is, is afraid of him. But for, to me, he was Uncle Straw and I loved him regardless. Yeah. You know what I mean? But then this time, you could, obviously, the the atmosphere is now palpable. Like it's everyone is scared. And then I, hmm. and then Mr. Straw gets up and runs and yanks me from from where I'm standing. I'm just standing watching the scene go on. Yanks me, runs towards a house, grabs my sister, goes inside the house because she's has the gun frightened. Yeah, oh. he has the gun and he's screaming at my mom at this time. And he's frightened. And so Mrs. Straw goes into the house and slides under the bed and holds us really tight. I don't understand what's going on. I'm like, hey, no, mom and Mrs. Straw are arguing. I want to see what they're arguing about. Yeah. I say this to Mrs. Straw and she just grips me really tight and says, no, don't go outside. I don't want to lose you. So this is Mrs. Straw. This is Mrs. Straw. Wow. Okay. And and so all the other girls are, are crying. Uh, in the dormitories, like screaming, like, oh, no, we're going to lose a matron. We're going to lose our dean. We're going to lose, lose our mom. We can hear all the screaming and Mr. Straw is getting annoyed by all the screaming. So he takes a shot in the air and says, everyone shut up. And like, it's quiet. And now you can just hear my mom and Mr. Straw uh, arguing back and forth. And you can hear them. Yeah. Yeah. Because we weren't yeah. too far from where yeah. they were. And so Mr. Straw goes, no, I want you guys using this gate. Don't. Don't be doing this. And my mom's like, no, you can't. You can't just do that. You, you know, she's like, you're being unreasonable. And then my mom and then he goes, well, I need to punish a monkey today. Now bring out your kids. I'm going to shoot them. And my mom, <laughs> my mom goes, if you want to shoot anything and then turns around, like you can hear like the sand turning under her feet. Turns around and she tells me she lifted her shirt and said, if you want to shoot something, shoot my buttocks. Right? (laughs) I have no idea why she would say that, but Mr. Straw is like, yes, you're ridiculous. And then just gets mad and walks back into the house, throws his gun down and you hear the door slam. Right? Wow, so he didn't shoot her. Yeah, no, not at all. I think just the ridiculousness like, of the situation yeah. like, like diffused it all. He was just taken back. Like, yeah, didn't like expect that. What do I do here? And then my mom walks into the house and is so frustrated. Just pulls out the um pulls out uh two big um travel bags and just starts throwing clothes inside. Mm-hmm. So we crawl out from under the bed. I crawl out first, and then Mrs. Straw, and then my sister stays there because she's really scared. And I'm like, Mom, what's going on? And Mrs. Straw's like, Sis V, what are you doing? And my mom's like, no, I can't stand that man anymore. I'm leaving. I can't believe he threatened my kids. He threatened my girls, meaning the girls in the, in the dormitory over a bloody gate. I'm leaving. She's like, no, Mrs. So Mrs. Straw is trying to negotiate with her. She's trying to make her like, stay. Like, hey, stay. Okay, stay one more night. You guys can talk about it in the morning. And my my mom's like, no, I'm I'm not gonna stand for this. Packs up everything and uh, goes to the to the to the main gate. Hails down a car. 
that's passing by and we go and stay spend the night at an aunt's place my, my aunt's place and then like finally like that night it hits me what had happened i'd seen things get shot and killed and then i realized oh my goodness this man wanted to kill me and um. i was like but why and then i started crying that night and my sister had been crying the entire time yeah. she wanted to leave so she was she was helping my mom pack and I was, I was still like trying to unpack it all like what's going on and i started crying and and my parents say from that day i just was super shy like yeah. extremely extremely shy like i didn't really like talking to people i whenever my dad would come visit and he'd want to go out to get groceries I'd always hold, make sure I was going with him, always holding his hand. Um, he tells me a story that one time he had a lot of groceries and he needed um, both his hands to carry the groceries. But I was so adamant I wanted to hold his hand. He had to hold them all in, in one hand and hold my hand at the same time. I was like, no, I'm not leaving until you hold my hand. Wow. So, because it had, <clears throat> obviously it affected you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, the therapy is not really believed in in Africa. <laughs> So, so, not really so like they were just there. like, oh, whatever, he'll grow out of it. So, but I was really shy. Oh, I didn't wow. like like talking to people. I developed a st- I developed a stummer, and so I'd have difficulty talking or interacting with people. So that happened really right after. Yeah, essentially, like didn't really like interacting with anyone, and to a point where I didn't want to even interact with people that were in my skin color, because hmm. in my backwards thinking and. Also, because of the influence of some of my uncles who had fought in like liberation struggles, they yeah. would tell me, "No, it was a white man that did that." Yeah. So it was white people that did that to you, you know, because yeah. that's how they understood it. So I mean, did that affect the way that you had thought? Like, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it'd be hard not to. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So at that point, I just didn't like white people. Yeah. Like, at all. So was but like, I loved Mrs. Straw, so it was really conflicting. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever she'd come visit, I'd talk to her in Afrikaans for a little bit. Because to me, she was still the person that came and grabbed me and saved me from that She's situation. The who you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I loved Mrs. Straw, but I hated everyone else. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's Africa, so I really wasn't interacting with that many white people. Yeah. <laughs> to begin with. Yeah. So I really didn't care, right? But then you said like it got to the point where even people in your own skin. Color yeah, like I like if like if you essentially, I only wanted to talk to people that I'd grown up with. Or people that I saw every single day and knew they were safe. So I was just scared. So then, like when I was, uh, this is what happened when I was around five. And then when I was around six, turning seven, dad finished his PhD and said, okay, guys, let's move back to Zimbabwe. So we moved back to Bulawayo, Zimbabwe. And like while I'm there, my dad's like, okay, so our son needs like something to get him out of this. Because it was a super noticeable to everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, everyone was just like, you know, your son used to be, like, the life of the party. But he's, not, like, really shy all of a sudden. You need to force it out of him. Hmm. You need to put him... You need to get him uncomfortable or... Um, yeah. You know what okay. I mean? So, what my parents did is they started enrolling me in a lot of plays. So, my mom was a English teacher at a high school and at a college. So, she'd put on a lot of plays and productions. And should you, if the production called for like a, a small child, because I had a really small frame, she'd make sure I was I was in the play Were at you school. Like kicking and screaming, or yeah, I idea? hated it. I hated it. And you know, 
I'll talk to my mom about it. Like, oh, mom, I don't, I don't want to do it. She's like, why? Are you scared? I'm like, yeah, I'm scared. I don't want to be in front of all those people. So what she did is she was like, okay, son, let me help you out with that. Because of the stomach, I always talked really quietly. Really quietly to a point where you couldn't hear. Really? Yeah. Which is weird because like a lot of people who know me now know I'm like yeah. the loudest person in the room. No, I'm loving this story. So, yeah. so right around when I was six or seven, so seven were definitely living in, 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 in Zimbabwe. My mom goes, here, read these stories and hands me a Bible. One of those kids' Bibles. Okay. And it has all these stories of like Gideon, Moses, and all this stuff. So I read Moses had a stomach, but he led all these people. I'm like, oh, oh that is awesome, right? He's so excited. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and so then cool. I read Gideon, and then I read about how he, you know, was leading armies. I read about I read about Joshua, how he was so he, he how he used the horn and said everyone should scream and the walls came crumbling down so like i'd read that story before like a lot of my performances and i'd be like loud as possible wow yes it would really give you like inspiration yeah exactly like at seven years old i found inspiration in the bible and and so so like a (laughs) yeah (laughs) so a lot of like bible stories i know by heart because of that period yeah. Trying to break out of the shell, which obviously it did. Even at practices, I'd be a little bit shy about. And so on driving to a practice, I would read a story and like that would like build up my adrenaline. And then when I got to the practice, I just wanted to be loud and in charge, like be the hero, be like Gideon. Gideon's my favorite character in the Bible. <laughs> so, awesome. so like I'd be like, oh, I'm Gideon. And I'd just be as loud as possible. Or like, oh, I'm Joshua. I'm going to scream and the walls will come. Cr-. And that like helped me break out of my shell. But like the one of the main things that I, whenever I think back about that story is like, it really helped me love everybody around me hmm. because I started hating almost everyone and everything. Right. Yeah. And reading the bible and thinking oh but that was just one person and it was because of x y and z not everyone is like that his sons i loved his sons would come with mr straw to come play with me yeah and my during these shy periods my mom bought me legos uh just to keep my keep myself busy and so because of that they would come and show me like how to build like different structures and everything like they were really brilliant kids and So that would always stimulate my mind. And I was always like, why do I hate white people when I love these two? Yeah. You know, and it showed me, hey, you know, just because someone did this doesn't mean it's the same for everyone. Yeah. And that's that's also like, like I said earlier, like my family loves moving around a lot. And so all that moving around, can you imagine if I had still stayed the same, how much of an anxiety like driven thing that would be? Absolutely. You know, so. I mean. Yeah, this is like your life story is evidence that that was a turning point. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I, like there's no way to put it except that if it wasn't like my family's prayers, reading stories in the Bible of how people overcame things and just e- how everyone interacted with me after that. Uh, I, I don't know if I would be sitting here. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know if I'd be able to like talk about anything anything with anyone like I, I still come off as private to a lot of people but a lot of people just say hey it's easy to chat with you and i think it's it because is, yeah. i broke out of that mold so early in my life like it 
like yeah i was in like a, a pit almost but i broke out of it because of everyone around me prayers reading all that stuff yeah. i love that so yeah so do you find that so how does that story then moving forward in your day-to-day life now uh-huh does it give you the same you know what I'm saying? Like, if you read a story about Gideon, does it be like, all right, I'm going to go yeah. like an accountant today. <laughs> For the most part, it actually does. Awesome. Like, whenever I start reading the Bible, I either start with the book of John or read um, uh, get the Gideon stories and yeah. all those stories. Uh, judges and and kings and all those, all those yeah. books. Those are the ones that I will always uh, start with. So, and that like excites me. Like if if you see me really bouncy, I probably read one of those <laughs> stories. So like, cause like you know, like a lot of guys like like the Marvel movies, like the superhero yeah. movies, and everything. To me, growing up, my heroes were like the Bible characters, like Gideon and all this stuff. Cool. So I love that. Yeah. yeah wow. Yeah. So I guess looking back on your story, what does the whole thing really kind of teach you about who God is? Let me say this, that whenever like I'm questioning God, I think back to that time and I realize like I, I have multiple ways of proving to myself that God exists, but that's like the most powerful one. It's unreasonable for me not for me to have lived through that because I was standing right there and I wasn't moving. What I should have done is run away. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And the fact that I got over all that shyness and everything from these Bible stories. My strength was from from all this stuff. Yes, that is unreasonable, but that is God. It to me it just shows me what an awesome and powerful God that I, I, I believe and worship is and serve. If you're having trouble finding strength to do whatever you that you need to go to do, whether it's waking up every day and going to work or it's getting over something, I know from my personal experience there is there is so much strength to be drawn from if you put it in God and if you read his word. Like, the Bible as a canon is the most complete work you can ever think of. And if you think of it as it's not even finished because we still have a lot of the biblical story to tell, but what is written right now in the Bible is the most beautiful story that you can draw strength from at any point in your life. Oh, I wish everybody could see your smiling face. Oh. <laughs> You talk about God and not smile. If you'd like to share your story of how God is working in your life, leave us a message on our Jesus Days voicemail number 218-656-0540 or send us a message on our Instagram page at The Current Ministry. This podcast is brought to you by The Current Ministry, music by Azrael Post, and this is your host, Molly Duper, Thanking you for joining us. And until next time, grab a friend, a cup of joe, and go have your very own Jesus date. Let me see how I wrote this. Okay, so... Am I I, talking too fast? No, you're not. I mean, you're you're talking faster than I am. (laughs) (laughs) Really slow, <laughs> okay. so you're good. I'll, I'll try. But yeah, you get, <laughs> it's okay. Okay.